So Philemon, uh, on page 1,200 in the Bibles on your chairs. This is pretty cool, isn't it? This is good. Uh, I feel feel quite excited, although fairly all over the place and don't quite know what's happening. So um, it's good to get to the Bible because then we're kind of on solid ground and we know what we're doing. So uh, we've been having a look at Philemon together. We've been working our way through and um, this little letter. And we're going to focus today on verses 4 to 7. I'm going to read those. And as I read them, I want you to try and spot uh, something that Paul says that makes listening for the next little while worthwhile. All right? So listen out for something that you think makes, okay, I'm going to listen for the next half an hour or so. Is it worth it? Well, check out what he says, and then we'll see. So I'm going to read. I'll read right the way through from verse 1 to 7. Here we go. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, So that's who's writing it. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Okay, here's here's what I want you to notice. I want you to look closely at verse 6. Because I reckon in verse 6, there is something which makes listening worthwhile. Have a look what he says. It's a difficult verse. And we're going to come back to it in a minute. But just, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Here's my question. Do you this afternoon want to have a deeper experience of what it means to know Christ? Do you want to have a deeper understanding of everything we have in Jesus? It may be that you're not a, maybe you're, you're here, you're not a Christian, it may be you're just checking stuff out. Well, here's my question for you. Do you want to have a deeper experience of life as it's really meant to be lived? I, I guess most of us would say, yeah, I, I, I'm up for that. I don't think many of us are saying, actually, no, 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 what I want is a superficial, shallow life. That's really what I'm going for. I'm going for a mediocre Christian. That's what I'd like. You know, just kind of superficial. No, I think most of us, we, we would love to know Christ more. We'd love to experience and understand it more. Well, that seems to be what Philemon is being offered. Paul says, this is what I'm praying for you, that you wouldn't just stand still. You know when you see cyclists and uh, they get to traffic lights? And uh, there's that version of cyclists who don't like to put their feet on the floor? And you're like, seriously, this is very stressful for me watching you. Just put your foot down. But there's that kind of, you know, you're really wobbling. You're trying to stay on. You're trying to stay on. See, it's very difficult if you're not moving forward. It's very difficult to stay upright. It's true even more so as a Christian. If you're not moving forward, if you're not deepening in your understanding of who Christ is, if you're not knowing him more and enjoying him more and being more captivated by him, 
then it's very difficult to keep upright as a Christian. And that's what Paul is praying. That's what Paul seems to think is going to happen for Philemon. Is that what you want this afternoon? Do you want a deeper experience of what it means to follow Christ? I can see some of you nodding and I can hear the silence of deafening, yes. Okay, I've got another question for you. Do you want a life full of confrontation and difficulty? Because here's the problem, right? Those two things go together. The way to experience a deeper understanding of Christ is through confrontation and challenge, a hard life. You see, we prefer life to be straightforward and easy. We we prefer things that affirm us and make us feel better. The, uh, the, The last night of the proms was on. Was it last night? Was it last night? First night of the proms. Yeah, sorry, I get confused. And there was a man dressed in like a penguin who played the piano very nicely. He played Beethoven's third piano concerto. I'm sure you know it. And uh, it, was, it was beautiful. And, and uh, it went on for quite a long time. And afterwards, they all clapped. And the commentator said, what a life-affirming performance. And I sat and thought, I mean, it was good. You know, it was good. I don't know if it affirmed... What, what he meant was, it, it's something that made you feel good. And that's what we want. We want, we want life-affirming things. We want people who are affirming. We want church to be an affirming place. We want to, and we're less keen on those people who make life difficult and experiences that confront and challenge us. Here's what we're going to see this afternoon. In order for Philemon to have a deeper understanding of everything good we share in Christ. In order for Philemon to know Christ better, he has to face confrontation. Because that's how you grow. A life without confrontation is a life that will be shallow. It might be peaceful, it might be easy, it might feel nice. We spend all our time avoiding the challenges, being affirmed. Rather than facing up to hard things, we run away from them so that we can carry on happily. But if that is the way you approach life, your Christian life will only ever be shallow. Depth is fashioned in the furnace of confrontation. When we are confronted with a challenge that pushes us, that is when our understanding is deepened. Now, of course that's hard. Of course that's uncomfortable, but it's the only way to real depth. Now, you know this. I mean, look, children, right, who are here, under, under 15s, teenagers, younger people, yes, hello. If you're playing FIFA, and those adults who are, play FIFA, <laughs> if you're playing FIFA, it's fairly easy to play FIFA on the Xbox or whatever thing you play it on, uh, and you just set it to Muppet mode, you know, where all the players just run around kind of like and fall over, and you can win easily. And you could even convince yourself, I think I'm the best FIFA player in the world because I always win. One of my kids won 49-0 the other day on FIFA. (laughs) That was against Arsenal, apparently. But here's the thing, right? You're never going to get better unless you make it harder. Unless you face a challenge. Unless you let the players play better. 
This is true in so much of life. It is only challenge that will really push you to get better. That's true in churches as well. A church that is constantly avoiding challenges and avoiding difficult things will be shallow. We need to be a church that is willing to be challenged. If we just get together with people we like, with music we like, in a place that we like, with food that we like, there's no challenge. It's like playing FIFA on Muppet mode. I don't think that's what it's called. Depth for our church is fashioned in the furnace of confrontation. As we're confronted by God's words, as we're challenged and pushed by people who think differently to us, people who come from a different idea, that will push us further and take us deeper than we ever imagined. Okay, now, let's, let's think about what's happening in the book of Philemon. Okay, if you haven't been around for a few weeks, let me give you a quick catch-up. Philemon is a fairly wealthy bloke, lives in a place called Colossae, and uh, he's got a household, he's got some servants, we'll deal with servants and if that's slaves and things, if that's okay, in a few weeks' time. But he's got a slave uh, and a few slaves, and one of them, called Onesimus, has run away. That's bad. That's, like, that's a terrible crime in those days. This slave, Onesimus, has met Paul, he's become a Christian, and now Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon. You got the picture? Onesimus is carrying this letter to Philemon. He's, he's walking like with a letter, kind of going, I've got a letter for you, don't read this first, right? That's the idea. And as I've studied this week, I've come to the conclusion that Paul is sending Philemon back because he knows how hard it will be for Philemon. And because he wants Philemon to be pushed to think and to grow deeper into Christ. And the only way that's going to happen is if he faces up to a challenge. Paul could have just said, oh, Nesim, stay with me. Let's not make it difficult for Philemon. But that's not the way you grow. The way you get to a deeper understanding of everything good we share in Christ is through confrontation. So as Paul writes this letter, he's saying, Philemon, I'm asking you to do something that is going to seriously challenge you. I'm asking you to do possibly the hardest thing you've ever had to do before. But Paul knows that Philemon has what, it, what he needs in order to face this challenge. And that's what we're going to see in these, in these verses, okay? How do you face confrontation? How is it that Paul knows that Philemon is able to face this confrontation and how it will push him deeper? Well, because of what he knows about Philemon. So let's get into the verses. Have a look down at verse 4 with me, okay? And we're just going to work our way through, see what Paul says, and think about how it applies to us. So Paul says in verse 4, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. All right, let's just stop there for a second. What does that tell you about Paul? It tells you he was praying, and he was praying for people. And every time Philemon's name come up, came up in his praying, what was his response? Yes, Philemon. Oh, God, yes. Thank you for Philemon. Love Philemon. Do you see how thankful he is? Now, here's an interesting question. Where's Paul at this point? Paul is in prison, right? Paul is chained up. And yet his prayer is not, oh, God, this is so miserable. Please get me out of here. Paul's prayer is, yes, Philemon. 
It's interesting, isn't it? Because thankfulness is one of the qualities of what it means to be a Christian. And not thankfulness just about my circumstances. God, thank you that it's such a sunny day and that life is good and you've given me good things. That's hard to pray when you're in prison. But Paul doesn't tie his thankfulness to his circumstances. He ties it to people. So he says, God, thank you for Philemon. And even as he's sitting in his little prison, can't you picture his little face breaking into a smile and going, Philemon, yes, God. That's what it means to him. I wonder how thankful we are, just as an aside, for one another. I wonder as we pray for each other. Do we pray for each other? And do we pray with thankfulness? Thankfulness is a really beautiful quality. It's the antidote, actually, to bitterness and grumbling. It's how to not be a moaner. It's by being thankful. And I wonder whether our thankfulness centers on other people or on things. I was thinking about this as parents teach their kids. What do you teach, if you have kids, what do you teach your kids to say thank you for? You say thank you for presents. Everyone knows that. You say thank you for presents. No, you see, if you only teach them to say thank you for presents, you're teaching them to thank be thankful for stuff. And you're tying thankfulness to stuff. What about teaching to be thankful for people? How can we be more thankful for others? But let's so, so here's Paul, he's thankful. That that may be a real challenge for some of us. We need to think about that. And perhaps this week, I'm gonna thank God for people. And if you get you know, if, you're, if you find your mind wandering in the next 20, little while, which may be possible, why not look around and thank God for some of the people who are sitting here? Just to keep you amused. That would be a fantastic thing to do, and then start listening again. Uh, so here's Paul, thankfulness. Now, what's his thankfulness come from? Why is he so thankful for Philemon? Well, have a look at what he says in verse 5. I'm thankful for you, Philemon, because I hear about your faith for all his holy people, sorry, your love for all his holy people, and your faith in the Lord Jesus. See, these are the two things he's heard of. He's heard about his love and his faith. Paul isn't saying, Philemon, I've heard about your achievements. I've heard what a fantastic, you know, successful guy you are. I've heard that you're a great businessman. I've heard that you're helping to run a great church. I've heard that there's fantastic this going on. I've heard that there's great music and great preaching. I've heard all this stuff. He doesn't say any of that. He says, I've heard about your faith and your love. That's what Paul is excited about. And when you boil it down, that's it. That is the heartbeat of the authentic Christian life. Faith in Jesus and love for all his holy people. That's it. It's such a beautiful summary of what it means to be a Christian. It's so simple. Look, I've got some good news for you this afternoon. You can be a Christian without great Bible knowledge. You may know very little about the Bible. That's okay. There's plenty of time to learn. You can be a Christian without impressive gifts. You can be a Christian without a sorted life and an organized life and a great job or a great family. You can be a Christian without any of those things. You cannot be a Christian without faith in Jesus and love for his holy people. Because that's, that's what it's about. They are the authentic marks. You know on a, on a five-pound note, the little hologram thing? No? Nope. Yep, you, you know the thing. That proves it's real. This is the hologram on the Christian. 
Faith in Jesus, love for all the saints. And we sometimes get distracted by other things. So when you talk at other churches, you know, you may say, oh, that, that's a church, they've got great music, or they've got great Bible teaching, or they've got a great youth work. Here's my question. Have you ever heard anyone describe Globe Church, oh, that's a place with great faith in Jesus and love for all his people? That'd be terrific, wouldn't it? See, these are the marks. This is it. And we need to not get distracted by trying to run something else, by trying to run, you know, can I be honest? This is a big distraction for me. I want a church that looks impressive, that seems cool. I've got a cool venue. Look, it's got a lighting rig, and this is so cool. Jesus doesn't give a monkeys about our lighting rig. I find that really upsetting, but he doesn't (laughs) care. He's not looking at our church and going, oh, that's a nice venue John T's found. He doesn't care. He's looking at the people and saying, do they have faith in Jesus and do they love each other? That's, that's it. I think I find that challenging. So here we go, right? Let's take those two things, faith and love. Let's think about what they mean. Here's why they're so important. Why are they so central to what we're about as a church? It's because faith and love both attack the same problem that we have. And that is the problem of self. Right, self, okay, there's this thing, right? Self, well, it's kind of here, but let's pretend it's here. There's this thing called self. And our world really loves self. I mean, self is like a, wow, we love self. We love it so much, we talk about it, we take pictures of self. That's like, that's it, isn't it? What should I take a picture of? Oh, self, (laughs) We sing about self. Did you see the, um, there's a lady in a, who took a selfie in a, a museum. Did you see this this week? She was taking a selfie in an art gallery and she slipped backwards. It's a brilliant video. <laughs> and uh, there's all these things on, these works of art on podiums. She slipped and they all just went like dominoes. She caused 200,000 pounds worth of damage. See, that's the problem with self, you see? Take a picture of your friend, then it wouldn't happen. Anyway. Right, here we go. Faith and love mean waving goodbye to self. You cannot maintain a love affair with self and also follow Jesus. It cannot be done. One of them has to go. You either live for yourself or you live for Christ. That's it. Let me show you what I mean. Faith means waving goodbye to self-confidence. The heart of faith is to say, I am weak, I'm powerless, I need help. Self is rubbish. I can't do it. Listen to how it's put in another part of the Bible, in Romans 3. There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who seeks God. No one who understands All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. That's a pretty condemning paragraph. And faith means saying, 
I cannot fix myself. I admit I am in big trouble and I need, I need saving. You see, faith kind of like takes a big stick and batters self. Like self is a piñata. It's just like, bang. You can't save yourself. Now, that just sounds a bit depressing. That doesn't sound like faith. Well, it's only part of it. (laughs) Because as you realize that you can't save yourself, you then recognize you need someone to save you. Look, if you were out for a pleasant swim in the Thames (laughs) one day, you were just swimming in the Thames. Don't. Um, And someone in a helicopter kind of swoops down and says, I've come to save you. Your response will be, I don't need saving. Self has got this under control. Look at my selfie arms. If you are drowning in the Thames, then when the helicopter comes, you say, help me, please, please, please help me. That's faith. Faith means saying, please help me. I cannot save myself. And the very reason that Jesus came into this world, the very reason for the existence of Jesus as the Son of God, born of Mary, come to live this human life, to die on a cross, it was to save you. So you abandon self and you put all your confidence in Jesus. You wave goodbye to self. That's what what Jesus is looking for in his church. Are they obsessed with themselves or are they trusting me? Now, of course, if you've done that, then you won't be boastful. You're You're not someone who talks about self all the time. You're someone who talks about Jesus all the time. You're not someone who lists their achievements and attempts to look impressive, but actually just someone who says, you know what, Jesus saved me. I wonder how much we talk about Jesus. Is he the mark? That's what, that's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for faith. You have to wave goodbye to self-confidence. And love, you have to wave goodbye to self-love. See, reality is, we love ourselves, right? I think I really love myself. There's a, there's a Justin Bieber song, isn't there, that says you should go and love yourself. I think it's sarcastic. It's actually, it's got the, one of my favorite lines in any song, right? It says this. It's got nothing to do with this, but it's a great line. It says, my mum don't like you, and she likes everyone. <laughs> That's quite a put down, isn't it? Anyway, I use it, I use it sometimes. Um, but actually... The reality is we do. We love ourselves. The amount of stuff we lavish on ourselves, what should I do for self today? Love is the absolute opposite. Love means giving away self. Love means saying it's not about me. It's not about my interests. I will love people. And listen, self-love might lead to you loving nice people. Because that makes you feel better. You got that? You have to concentrate for that bit. It may be that you think, I'm going to love them because they're really nice and they make me feel better. That's not real. That's not this love. That's rubbishy love. This is love that says, I will love even when it costs me everything. I will love. 
This is a very, very important point, and we've made this several times as we've studied Philemon, but I want us to keep getting this. So let me, let me try even the illustration, okay? Uh, you know the painter Banksy? So Banksy, the, the, art, the, the painter, artist guy, um, he did this thing, right, where he painted some pictures on canvases, and then on the streets of New York, they were sold by this old bloke sitting in a cart, and they were sold for $25 each. No one knew they were Banksy. And it, they, they videoed it, and there were people coming up, and they kind of stood there, and they went, well, that's all right, and they walked off. One bloke bought three because he thought they were quite nice and he thought it looked nice in his flat. They're worth £35,000 each. <laughs> he bought three. But you see, the weird thing is, right, there's, there's something which doesn't have value in and of itself. Its value comes as you understand who made it. Does that make sense? Its value is entirely dependent upon the one who made Some things have intrinsic value, right? My potato peeler has value as a potato peeler because it peels potatoes. I don't care who made it. It's just a good potato peeler. So it has a value in and of itself. This, this is value comes from the one who made it. Right, here's my point, sort of. Here's my point. If you only love people because you think they've got intrinsic value as potato peelers, you say, I'm going to love you because you seem nice. No, we love people because they're created by God. They have a value, a worth, that's not because of them, but because of the one who made them. And therefore, you love. We love one another. And that means to give ourselves. And if you're not sure what that looks like, then let me point you to a man covered in blood, with nails through his hands, a crown of thorns on his head, strung up on a wooden cross, gasping for breath, dying to save his people. If you're not sure what love looks like, that, that's, that's it. Jesus gave himself to save us. And therefore, when someone in church or in our, a, a, a Christian, one of God's holy people, one of the people that Jesus died to save, if we have a problem with them, if there's someone that we have a bit of an issue with, a bit of a rankle, it's a bit of annoying, what do we do? We give ourselves in love. We lay down our lives for them. Jesus did not just have a rankle with you. You were his enemy. You declared war on him and he gave his life for you. So here's someone who mildly irritates you a little bit. Lay down your life for them. Actively find ways to serve. Faith and love. Do you not see how self has no space? No space in faith, no space in love. Self has got to be left behind. All, all in Christ. So Paul sees this faith and love in um, Philemon, and now here comes his prayer. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Paul basically says, I want your bike to keep moving. 
Because you can't actually separate faith in Christ and love for the people from each other. They're entwined with one another. Actually, as you put your faith in Christ, the more your love will increase for your brothers and sisters. And as you love one another, your understanding of Christ will deepen. And so what Paul literally says here is, I pray that you would share this faith amongst you, that you, that, that you would be active in it, that you would be deliberately sharing, you would be deliberately demonstrating your faith. Faith is not a private thing where I sit in my room and go, I'm going to have faith. No, faith is a very public thing. That's why Paul says, I've heard about your faith. How can you hear about it unless people are going, wow, Philemon's got great faith. How do you know he's got great faith? Because he loves other Christians. That's, That's the link. And so here's Onesimus coming, right? Philemon says, right, I'm going to send Onesimus because this is really going to push Philemon to the limit. This is going to push Philemon into a whole new level of faith and love as he's confronted with this guy who he should not love. And we'll have to see how the letter unfolds. But I really want us to understand this afternoon that a deepening understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ, to know deeply what it means to have Christ and to be in Christ and to understand Christ. You cannot do it unless you are loving one another, unless you are partnering in the faith, unless you're demonstrating faith in Christ by loving one another. Those two things just go together. And in particular, you can't do it unless you are encountering people who just are a little bit difficult. So can I say, if we're a church that has no problems, and if we're a church that has no relational issues at all, we're going to really struggle to understand Christ properly. So every time someone irritates you, this should be your response. Oh, praise God. I've got an opportunity to express faith and love. I've got an opportunity to have a deeper understanding of every good thing that I have in Christ. See? If you're married, every time your husband or wife irritates you, it may happen. Rejoice. If you've got kids, every time your kids irritate you, rejoice because it gives you an opportunity to, to deepen in your understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. You see, confrontation, challenge, enables us to experience a deeper deeper understanding of Christ. And so I know we want a shortcut to deeper relationship with Christ. I want a shortcut to being able to run a marathon. I'd love to run a marathon, but I just don't want to do all the training. I'd love it if there was a shortcut to get to that without having to do this bit. I'm the same. I'd love to get to a deeper understanding of Christ without having to do all this difficult loving stuff. You can't shortcut it. You can't avoid it. It is only in the partnership, in the sharing of our faith with one another as we love each other, that we deepen in our understanding of the sake of good things of Christ. And Paul can see this in Philemon. So just verse 7 as we finish. 
I love this. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So he's like, Philemon, I know this is going to go well. I've got this really big challenge coming, but I'm, I'm telling you this stuff first. You refresh people. When people spend time with you, Philemon, they're refreshed. You know what that's like, don't you? There are some people who you spend time with them and they just refresh. You, you walk away going, oh, that was refreshing. They're the people who have a faith in Christ. Who are saying, Christ saved me. He loves me. They talk of Christ. It's, I find it very, very boring to hear people boasting about themselves. Don't you? I went guitar shopping yesterday and uh, we were sitting in the guitar shops and there are people who just go to guitar shops, I think, to show off. They just sit there, like, playing. And as soon as you pick up a guitar, you just feel... I didn't feel refreshed by that experience. I feel refreshed by people who are not boasting about themselves, but who boast of Christ and who say, John, let me talk to you about Jesus. I'm like, oh, that's refreshing. That's what I need. That's how you refresh one another. That's what Philemon's like. Philemon has refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. It's like, I mean, today, if ever we needed refreshment, it's pretty warm, isn't it? Philemon's throwing snowballs at people, <laughs> refreshing them. Like, oh, that's nice. That's what we should do. We should throw snowballs at one another. That would be, be so nice. Wouldn't that be a lovely thing to do this afternoon if we've got like, a load of snowballs? We could have a snowball fight. We haven't. But, you know. But what about if we throw, throw snowballs of Jesus at one another, we say, let me refresh you. Let me remind you of Christ. Let me be honest with you about my own struggles, about how Jesus has saved me. We're going we're gonna to finish. I, I hope you can see, though, what, what Paul sees in Philemon is deeply attractive. This is what Jesus wants for us as a church. And we've got to keep reminding ourselves of this. I've got to keep reminding myself of this. He does not want us to be a church that's impressive. He wants us to be a church that has faith in Christ and love for all God's holy people, these people who are so precious to him that he died for. So as you look around at one another, do you realize how precious you are to Christ? He died for you. He gave his life for you. He loves you. If you've trusted in him, then he bought you with his own blood. And therefore, as we look at each other, we say, I'm going to love you too. I'm going to lay down my life for you. So why don't we pray together? And, um, and why don't we thank God uh, for, for Jesus who's loved us? And perhaps just as we pray, and we're going to spend a little bit of time responding and singing together. Perhaps just as we pray, perhaps there is someone. It may not be someone in, in the church. It may be someone else that you know. I'd be very surprised if there wasn't, most of us didn't have someone who at least was a little bit difficult in our lives. I want you to pray this. That, you would, that, that God would help you as you put your faith in Christ, that actually you would deepen your understanding of Christ as you show love to people who are difficult to love. Let's bow our heads and let's uh, pray together. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we long that we would not be an ineffective church, a shallow, superficial church who just messes around with 
venues and lighting and stuff, but never deepens in our understanding of Christ because we just always avoid difficulty. Father, please might we embrace the furnace of confrontation. Please might we willingly engage in difficult relationships because we want to know Christ more. And Father, we pray you'd teach us more of this as we go through Philemon. We thank you for one another. We thank you that Christ died for his church, his holy people. And Father, we ask that we might love one another. In Jesus' name, amen.